0: Welcome, everyone, to the Top Producer Podcast. This is Paul Neef for your host, and today we're going to have a conversation with Mike Downey, who is based in eastern uh, Iowa, near Iowa City. Mike, how are things going?
1: Hey, good morning, Paul. Yeah, beautiful morning here in Iowa, and harvest is wrapping up and, you know, prepping here for uh, end of year now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think yesterday we were almost a high of 70. I'm just going to take a quick look here at the weather. So yesterday a high of 70, today 61, but next week on Friday we have a high of 25. So I, I, think, uh, I think winter is uh, rapidly aclo- uh, approaching us.
1: Yeah, I believe so, whether we're ready for it or not.
0: Okay. Well, we always like to start off with your background, you know, where you grew up, went to college, all that good stuff. So why don't we start off with that?
1: You bet. Yeah, I grew up on a family farm in West Central Illinois, south of the Quad Cities and uh, went down to university of illinois uh, for ag business finance degree i still remember very vividly back in the late 90s um, the price of corn was about a dollar 80 a bushel yep so the opportunity for me to go back to my family farm which was already supporting a couple different families wasn't real strong so my uh, job First job took me to eastern iowa where i'm still at today north of iowa city i worked in the farm management farm real estate profession for a number of years and then uh, along the way took a real interest in succession planning transition planning which is what i uh, spend uh, my days doing uh, currently okay and what what firm is that next gen ag advocates it was okay. actually founded by two iowa farmers. Um, one is a retired farmer that did not have a successor, a unique story, and he used a process to transition his farm to a young couple in his neighborhood. And that was kind of the vision behind NextGen, recognizing that there's going to be a fair amount of farm transition secession ahead between non-related parties. So we're working with both in-family and out-of-family or across-family transitions, if you will
0: and i'm sure we'll 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 discuss both of this so let's let's start with maybe the in family so how do you get involved in that uh, what is the process that you guys do
1: and and so on let's let's dive a little deeper into that sure yeah so we're not attorneys we're not accountants strictly consultants that work with you know 50 or 60 operations in a given year so we see a lot of the things that work well and unfortunately the things that don't work so well yeah so we just try to leverage those to help others you know kind of serve as a guide uh, just a consultant role to guide them through that process uh, you know including meeting with family other advisors ultimately meeting with a an estate planning professional expert to put the plan together in writing but kind of help them get to third base before we even take that step well, well, well sometimes you have to help them just get to first base so <laughs> uh, yeah exactly sometimes the, the most difficult part of the process is just getting to sit down to begin with to, to start talking about it
0: yeah speaking of that I, I you know because i've I've you know for top producer and uh, the legacy project and so on've I've spoken to many many farm families around the country and it 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 seems the the biggest problem is that inertia just to get them, started you know once you get them started they can build up some momentum and and so on what what are some of the well are most of the people coming to you and they already know that they have an issue and they need some help or what 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 is the typical farm family how do they come come to you
1: i'd say a lot of our business is just organically from referrals you know but you know also you know getting to know a lot of the uh you know, the respected advisors out there that work with or have a circle of influence of farmers that want to provide this information to them. You know, we do uh, some speaking like you do as well and some writing and, you know, I was just working on a story right now, actually just about the, just the I don't know, the the quandary of the fact that I have not met a farmer yet that wouldn't say that they want to, pass the farm down to the next generation, keep the farm and the family, yet it is such a difficult subject for that group, farmers, to talk about. So it's kind of just an interesting quandary I've been thinking about is uh, why it is so difficult just to start that conversation.
0: Well, I think we have to realize for a lot of farmers, you know, that that dirt isn't dirt. It's almost like another kid for them, and and it's it's tough to Transfer that child, you know, that child onto somebody else, because is that is that other person going to take care of that child as well as they take care of that child? You know, I, I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, definitely, a, a lot of emotional attachment to to the to the ground.
1: Sure, yeah, you know, I've you know, you think about uh, you don't see too many retirement celebrations to roast. A farmer who is retiring you know like you do in other professions and it's I think that kind of just builds upon what you just commented on is it's just uh, it's not uh, an occupation necessarily a job it's more it's more of a bigger picture you know ideal or legacy if you will that you know that they want to pass along
0: yeah now is, are you primarily, are most of the farmers you work with in strictly Iowa, Illinois, or how, how, how far out do you typically go with your, uh, with your uh, meetings and, and, and engagements and so on?
1: We are based out of Iowa, but I spend probably two-thirds of my time in other states, Illinois, Wisconsin, the surrounding states, and then I guess one of the, uh, I don't know, the the positives that came out of the whole COVID era is it seems like uh, more and more uh, farmers are receptive to working more virtually. I don't know if you found that, too, in your travels. But so, you know, worked with, uh, you know, I'm just thinking a ranch from Montana to a farm in Oklahoma to a, a dairy up in New York. So just it's kind of expanded our reach, if you will, for those that are willing to uh, have a relationship more virtually.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, You know, a lot of the um, like you say, since COVID and especially the technology has gotten a lot better. I mean, 10 years ago, you tried to do a Zoom meeting or something like that and you have buffering issues and it just wasn't very good. The cameras weren't very good. Uh, Now it's almost like you're looking at a TV screen with the other party and you can uh, there's a lot more better technology that helps that process along. Uh, Although. You know, I did an eight-hour webinar yesterday for about 100 CPAs in uh, Arkansas. I did it from my house. But I'll tell you, speaking to a screen for seven, eight hours with no feedback is, is not my idea of fun. But uh, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's good information that I impart. And I think the largest one I had this year, I did one for 420 uh, tax preparers for uh, Minnesota and Iowa. So uh, uh, So that was good. But I still prefer... You know, meeting in person if I can. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I think the week after Thanksgiving, I'm I've got a meeting up in Bozeman, Montana, and then I come back to Phoenix. Well, I'm in Phoenix, and I'm in Bozeman, then I'm back to Phoenix, and then I go to uh, to Amarillo for a meeting, and then I'm back home. So you know, it's it's uh, a little crazy how things go at times.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think most would agree. You know, especially the the ag community in general uh, appreciates that more personal one on one touch if we can if we can have our way.
0: Now, you're not an estate planner, but you know you understand the estate concepts. Are farmers aware of or you know, aware of the fact that the exemption is gonna drop in half, the lifetime exemption starting in 2026? Now that's still a couple of years and farmers are just like everybody else. They tend to procrastinate, but there, there is a window of opportunity for our farm families that have seen that rapid appreciation of land values, you know, just in my case, my Iowa ground, I paid fifty-eight hundred dollars an acre for it during the middle of the pandemic. It's probably worth fourteen to sixteen thousand now. So, uh, are are they aware of it, or or what's your discussions when when you talk to farmers about it?
1: Sure, yeah, and there definitely is an estate planning component to what we do. Um, and I would say, generally speaking most are just somewhat aware of it, but don't really understand what the levels are, what they might fall to, or how that may impact, you know, them. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, maybe surprise awaiting that folks don't even realize are coming if that were to occur, just with what's happened with appreciated farm values, asset values. And, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a a concern of mine. I know one of your questions was what's keep keeps me up at night you know a real concern i have quite frankly is i you know i spend a lot of time talking about we need to find more young farmers but quite frankly uh the practitioners in your industry accountants cpas attorneys they're they all tell me we need to find we need to find more practitioners to come back because yeah uh, yeah. Um, yeah that's a huge concern i have is you know we get a family all prepped they want to do um, some planning but where do we go you know and that's certainly another challenge in of itself
0: yeah i have i've definitely met with a lot of good um i'm going to say good estate planning attorneys and they're in their 70s and 80s and still going strong but you know that's not always going to last so uh, um and i know Roger McCollin, he and I do some um, seminars on taxes and so on, and he's based in Kansas at Washburn University, and it's a struggle in that rural part of Kansas. You know, there might only be one attorney for seven counties, you know, it's getting that bad. So uh, it is hard to find those professionals that understand farming, and can definitely help farmers.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I would agree. So yeah, that's uh, certainly uh, another dilemma and all of the, you know, what we're working with. And we tell folks, you know, here locally, uh, it's pretty common for folks to go up to, let's say, for example, Rochester, Minnesota, to go see a specialist for medical reasons. Yep. You know, and we're communicating that not a lot differently than our farm estate planning. We might have to travel a bit to go see a specialist.
0: Now, what, uh, you know, when you're dealing with the farmers on succession like you say the estate side is part of it but i'm i'm guessing really i'm going to say it's the soft side that's probably the more important you know the 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 role of dad mom and then the role of son daughter in law or daughter son in law um what are some of the key things that you guys try to do to help that sort of you know lubricate that process from the older generation to the younger generation sure yeah
1: there's always a, a- you know the soft skills of this uh, that are always involved you know uh you know doing a lot of listening and i'm sure you do as well that you put your uh psychologist hat on at times <laughs> 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 but uh, certainly every family farm has its own dynamics every family that's not nothing to be um ashamed of that's just uh, the reality of the world we live in it's just a matter of identifying that and you know multi family multi-generational family farms that have four or five generations involved every generation may communicate in a little different way and uh so just identifying that and you know if i've worked with a father a son that are at the extreme opposite end of the scale of personality if they did a personality trait test you know to identify that and just have a conversation and certainly the families that we sit down and just have that open conversation whether it's transitioning the business and the day-to-day or uh, the estate plan communicating to the kids, I've I've seen that it just significantly decreases the chances of disputes later on. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I think if, if, if farmers communicate their wishes to their kids, the kids may or may not agree with it necessarily, but I think just through the fact that you've communicated it uh, they understand where you're coming from. Uh, it saves that, um, you know, those problems later on. I, I know just in my family situation, you know, my dad was the oldest of, of well, he was the oldest boy of four boys. And then there was uh, five sisters and he got married to my, to my uh, mother late in life. And he had a, the youngest brother actually was living um, with, with my dad's parents and taking care of them and farming with with my dad's parents. But my grandfather had always told my dad that uh, you know, when I pass away, you're going to inherit this ground. Well, when he passed away, who inherited the ground? It wasn't my dad. It was the brother that would, took care of them that was farming it. And, and to me, that's all logical. You know, that's the correct thing that would happen. But I still remember my dad was extremely upset with that because of the fact that you know, if, if grandfather communicate during life, Hey, I know I told you this, but, you know, things have changed and you're married, you got your own situation and so on. My dad would have been fine with it, but due to the fact that it was sort of a shock to him, uh, you know, that, that, that definitely can, you know, the, the, the lack of communication can definitely create some issues. Do you see that a lot of times where there is that lack of communication?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah unfortunately that is a big word and just, in life in general, any relationship is the better communication, you know, typically the stronger the relationship and, uh, kind of goes back to my comment before. It's just kind of an interesting, uh phenomenon just that, you know, that this is something they absolutely want to pass down, but it's just so difficult to communicate, talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, why we see uh, more and more farmer, you know, uh, continuing to farm, long, longevity, just age in general is continues to get older. And the farming practices today allow folks to farm longer if they wish. So it, sometimes it's just easier to keep on doing what you're doing too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Mike, we'll go ahead and take a, a break for a sponsor message and we'll come back and dig into this uh, Next Generation Ag Associates, how you help the non I'm gonna say the non-family succession go.
1: How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Rinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's I'm building our grain site. Or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Rabo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, Rabo Agri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, Rabo Agri Finance.
0: Welcome back everyone to the Top Producer Podcast. I am Paul for your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Mike Downey. So Mike, you had mentioned earlier on the, the Next Generation Ag Associates that it was sort of started or helped started by a, a farmer that didn't have a successor. So um, can you expand on what 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 you're trying to do with that and how it works and, and so on and so forth?
1: You bet. Well, you know, some of the The surveys here out of Iowa, which I would, if I had to guess, would not be a whole lot different just generally across the country. But, you know, 68 percent of farmers who have children, uh, they have children, but they don't have children who farm. And of those, over half have not identified a successor. So um, that's when we really look at farm transition, uh, transitioning and connecting folks that are not not necessarily related continues to trend and you know quite frankly maybe the future of farm transition and uh, so yeah that's uh, you know I don't have anything statistically to back this up but for every five retiring farmers that don't have a successor I would like to think three out of the five just based on my conversations would strongly consider a process to sit down with a, a younger producer or a couple in their neighborhood to transition to the, the operation, the equipment, the rented farms, the whole package, you know, but another thing that keeps me up at night is, you know, you know, we're not a a big fancy program. You know, how do we, uh, you know, make them aware that there are other options because sometimes they don't know that there are, and, you know, maybe their local advice is just, you know, when it comes time to retire, you line up the equipment and have a farm sale.
0: Yeah yeah is does I my memory is that Iowa does have a little bit of a the state of Iowa has a little bit of a formal uh, process or some type of maybe tax incentive or is or do you understand all those I, I I'm just not sure on that. It seems like I read that a few years back that there is some incentives uh, for transitioning to to that younger generation in Iowa.
1: Sure. Yeah. There are some um, tax credits at the state level. If you, for example, sell a farm to a what someone that qualifies as a beginning farmer or a young farmer, you know, on a contract that would exempt the seller of that from paying income tax on that, you know, the interest portion of that contract. And there's also incentives for those that rent their farm to a beginning farmer to uh, receive tax credits at the state level.
0: Okay. Okay. And then also, you know, my memory is Iowa's got a deduction. If you've, uh like if you've materially farmed the ground for at least 10 years, uh, either all of the gain related to selling the land or most of the gain is is exempt from Iowa taxation. Of course, Iowa taxes used to be fairly high. You know, they were one of the higher ones in the country. And I know over the next few years they're cutting that rate down so uh, so you know the the benefit it's there but maybe it's not as great as it was in, in prior years so is is I, i'm guessing um you're still seeing more and more consolidation even with trying to help uh you know that succession or that transfer to the non-family successor are you still seeing more consolidation in your area
1: well quite frankly that's what drew that was the big vision for next gen is consolidation the concern we know what is the family farm going to look like in the future you know i always like to tell the story of the there was a thousand acres in southern iowa that rented a few years back uh, via uh, online rent auction and you know one of the one of the successful bidders came from three counties away 85 miles away and nothing wrong with that farm producer probably very capable but you know as we all know that producer from that far away is probably not going to buy their their crop inputs locally um, do their you know shopping support the local businesses schools you know the the other ag advisors that are all impacted for the rural communities so is there a way to transition more responsibly you know with the you know the concern of this consolidation that is occurring. Uh, we're the first to admit, Paul. We're not going to stop that trend, but we're just out there trying to educate folks that there are other ways that, you know, to try to keep our farms in our communities. Because, as we all know, once one lose our loses our uh, leaves our neighborhood, the chances of that coming back becomes, uh, you know, very difficult. Do you see in this process that it's it's a um,
0: I, 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 do? Do they form a partnership or is it just that, you know, the newer farmer is going to have his own operation, either sole proprietorship or maybe sets up an entity, an LLC or corporation, and then the older farmer either maybe rents the equipment to him on a favorable or sells, uh, you know, selling sometimes triggers a bunch of taxes. But what, what do you typically see on that transition to that, uh, to that uh, successor farmer?
1: Sure. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, a little different, as you know. Um, But yeah, we're a lot of the similar strategies and tools we're we're working with family farms that do have an heir to pass to are very similar to across the family. Uh, uh, and sometimes it's pretty common for family farms to have a lot of these informal, essentially, partnerships, as you know. Yeah. And it's just formalizing those. You know, using a lot of entities that we have available to us today, like limited liability companies or, you know, limited partnerships. Uh, it's kind of funny, actually, uh, I think about it. It's a little easier to structure this between non-related folks that are treating this more as a business transaction than it is sometimes for, you know, family farms that sometimes it's emotions and family dynamics yep. get a little bit more involved. So, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's funny the i r s assumes that
0: um related parties always get along, and therefore you know there's some restrictions on related parties. I typically find the opposite, you know it's it's uh, family members don't always get along, and uh you know sometimes they're more adversarial than uh two
1: unrelated uh strangers that uh, that work together <laughs> that's that's exactly right so but but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, those entities provide uh you know, you know, provisions within the agreements to help protect those assets. You know, what if somebody transitions in and they change their mind in three years, you know, we got to have a process to upfront communicate clearly the process, how we're going to value these assets. There probably is going to be a haircut involved if, you know, the, the partnerships it's created has to buy out an exiting partner because we don't want to bankrupt the business just because somebody, uh, decides uh, changes their mind or obviously we got to plan for all the unforeseen events that you know can occur too that we have to plan for yeah and that's
0: you know typically when we work with a buy sell agreement we're we're trying to figure out what happens if there's i'm going to say it's a divorce uh you know that's what the buy sell is really there for if it's uh an amicable parting the buy sell agreement you can throw that away and the parties can come up with any deal but it's when they come to loggerheads, you want that agreement in place that says, okay, guys, you can't get along. Here's how we're going to deal with it. So uh, that that that's really what we're trying to accomplish in that situation.
1: Yes, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, Mike, yeah. uh, You know, we'll, we'll come to the end of the uh, conversation here. And I always got my questions I like to ask. So uh, first, who was your mentor in this whole process?
1: You know, I would actually, you know, dating back, I always think about you know, my my grandfather, who started our family farm, came back from World War II, started uh, farming, crop sharing 80 acres with a Farmall M mm-hmm. and uh, build up our operation. I just think about that, you know, obviously the, the thought of doing that today just uh, is virtually impossible. But uh, just to go back in those days to think about he and my grandmother putting that all together. And scraping by, you know that just have a lot of. He was a very uh, a man of very few words, but ironically, someone that I have a lot of respect for. That sounds like my
0: grandfather on my mom's side. I I think uh, he well he was uh, immigrated from Norway. Uh, he did pass away when I was twelve years old, but. I think I can remember saying a hundred words to him my whole life, <laughs> you know. So maybe <laughs> maybe two hundred words. He he didn't say a lot, but uh, he had uh, twelve kids and
1: uh, and so on and so forth. So, do you have any time for any hobbies? Well, like a lot of the other ag professionals I meet out here, I'm I'm kind of a wannabe farmer myself. I my wife and I own a small family farm, and when I slow down during harvest, I actually help her cousin on the family farm where she grew up here in Eastern Iowa and uh, which works out well. And we help back and forth, keeps me more in tune to what's going on, you know, out in the field as well. But uh, yeah, you know uh, that's always everything. It's something I always wanted to do is be a farmer, like, yeah. you know, my grandpa and my dad and my uncle. And, uh, but that would be, uh, that's something I enjoy. And we, we also uh, feel fortunate that we can expose our kids to agriculture in the farm life as well. Do you
0: have what a couple daughters? I think,
1: a son and a daughter, son and, and a daughter. daughter. Yeah, daughter's really uh, taking a, a keen interest in 4-H and showing 4-H calves. So that's uh, you know kind of neat to see. Yeah. So how old are they? Eleven and seven. Oh, so you're still fairly smart. Yeah,
0: give it a couple more years, Mike, and you're, you're not <laughs> gonna you're not gonna be very bright after a while. So uh... I, I think I'm starting
1: to I'm starting to sense that already. <laughs> You already covered
0: it a little bit, but uh, what what keeps you up at night?
1: Yeah, I think I did interject a few of those that do. You know, uh, obviously from the the family farm planning side, just uh, you know, I mentioned uh, you know just uh, all the the families I randomly think about, and you know, uh, so difficult to talk about something they want to pass along, and even those that are ready to do something, where are we gonna go? You know, I mentioned that. But uh, aside from all of that, you know, uh, putting together next gen, um, you know, really just three of us and uh, I'm the one that's charged to really do a lot of the day to day from just a entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, the uh, keeping everything going, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, wake me up at night in that regard, just on day to day running a business. Yep. Yep. And then uh, finally, what's your
0: definition of success in farming?
1: Well, legacy is a big thing for me that I think drove me to this business. You know, the, I haven't, I didn't mention the Downey family farms actually out in Dallas County. And uh, we were just recognized as one of the heritage farm awards at the Iowa state fair this summer, 150 years. Um, so, you know, that just hits home for me. So, I mean, I guess it was interesting when uh, we were asked who owns the farm as we all came up, I, you know, didn't even really dawn on me Did that's not really what's important it's the the legacy and we were doing a lot of remembering of the generations before us so yep. for yep. me success of farming is uh, really just doing your job to preserve and carry on the farm and pass it along and hopefully pay it forward to do it the same for the next generation yeah totally agree mike
0: is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off
1: appreciate the opportunity if anybody's interested in in checking us out we're actually revamping our website Um, that website is nextgenag.us happy to have a conversation for any folks that are interested in talking about uh, this type of these type of
0: issues okay perfect again Mike thanks a lot Uh, this is the top producer podcast uh, and this is Paul Nefer your host signing off